0: Hello boys and girls welcome back to another episode of the baby bed podcast of course this is a weekly podcast I'm Sandeep Rao and it's not specifically for boys and girls it's for men and women children and baby children and female children male children and various kinds of children out there of course you have to have a little bit of vocabulary otherwise my message and my thoughts are lost on you today's a fun episode going to be talking about the idea of consumption when it comes especially to entertainment and various forms of media in our country i'll be talking about the idea of music being templatized the idea of crop corporatization of the entire social media not media alone and of course how the various artists out there need to figure out a marketing scheme before they just figure out their artistic scheme so if you're an artist enjoy listening if you're not an artist enjoy listening as well see you on the other side The Baby Bed Podcast with Sunday Pro. Baby, check it out. Welcome to this new episode. I am very excited because um, this is something which I've been meaning to talk about for a long time. And I've had various forms of this conversation with friends in the industry, with friends in uh, various other industries. And uh, it's an interesting time because what's happening is that we are going through a bit of a transition in this country i grew up in the 80s and 90s not so much growing up i mean i just sort of matured as a physical being but mentally eh, who cares about that right but i was mainly you know confined to the urban landscape so my entire thing was going to an english medium school um then you know hanging out with people who spoke english hanging out with people who've traveled, even though my first trip internationally was when I was about 19. But the exposure was a lot more international than domestic or even uh, national, right? Because I never sort of thought uh, to myself that I will be a consumer uh, of regional content. Having said that, it's not that I was anti-regional content, even though my family, we speak Canada, I am Kannadiga, and uh, it was never seen as a distinction. It was never seen as an oh, English speaker, Canada speaker, but predominantly the language uh, of communication at home with my folks and my sister and our friends were English. But when it came to the uh, communication between my grandmother and I or a certain elder elements in the family, it was Canada. So this was sort of the the exposure and the perspective I came into the comedy space with because uh, I did um, study, as I I told you, in English medium schools. What is it? English medium. English medium, not English large. And uh, eventually, when I was 19, I was kicked off to the UK, um, failed miserably in my course, and then, you know, just to save my face, transferred out of there to a little college in the US. And... uh, Basically, besides the academic part of things, right, my entire perspective was very, um I wouldn't say global in an arrogant way, but it was a very, you know, varied perspective on the world because um my friends growing up were all Indian then in my college time it was a mix I had a couple of uh, I had a Sri Lankan friend I had a Spanish friend I had a black friend I had a lot of white friends because the college I went to in the UK and the US were um you know predominantly white colleges so it was weird because I did meet a lot of Indian born um, British born Indians and American born Indians and strangely enough, I would think, and you would think as well, for a guy who grew up speaking English and whose exposure was mainly to Western content, be it friends or be it even, you know, Mr. Bean or uh, be it something um, along the lines of, you know, yes, prime minister, yes, minister or faulty towers, that these would be um the people I would hang out with because they have three common things they speak English they think in English they've grown up being Indian in a foreign society and finally they are more um, aware of things in the world but these guys um, are a lot like people who grew up in a confined environment in India these uh, people who are either British-born Indians or American-born Indians because the parents of these people are very conservative. So they are trying to reinforce a lot more Indian values into these children while they're growing up because, of course, they're not in India. So the parents feel that, oh, my God, my child will grow up godless and grow up like a th- white person. So these guys knew more about Bollywood and uh, they knew more about the various cultural traits, so-called cultural traits of India, and didn't really find a connect with them. So uh predominantly my friends were white and we connected on various things it didn't have to be cultural references yeah sometimes you did feel like a bit of the minority when you had white people around you and they didn't get certain contexts of what you were talking about but the the compatibility was really high so I did grow up in that and I did sort of get molded into that uh, frame of uh, frame of thought and when I came back to India in 2007 I almost felt like I've come to a new place because uh, the the Bangalore I left in 2002 and five years later, the Bangalore I came back to and the India, if you want to draw a larger picture, were very different, you know, because the IT boom had just kicked in, a lot of people moving and migrating for jobs, a lot of people who earlier didn't travel as much would travel now. And there's a new scheme for the successful Indian, be it uh, the uh, exposure to education, the exposure exposure, exposure uh, through the internet. So I feel there's somewhere along the lines there there's been a massive disconnect between me and the larger uh, population that consumes content today because I almost feel I'm stuck in a little bit of a vortex of being the old Indian and the old template of what an Indian is expected to do. Um, There are words being thrown around now like elitist and urban and various other things, which I don't think are required because labels don't do much uh, besides damaging um, society's progress towards inclusion and, uh, you know, acceptance. So this is something I've been talking to about uh, with a friend. Because I predominantly do my stand-up in English, right? And I've been doing it for about eight to nine years. And especially when it comes to the internet space, social media, YouTube, there is a big divide because a lot of people now who are fans of the famous comedians in Hindi or Tamil, be it Arvind Seh or be it Abhishek Upmanyu or Zakir Khan. Now, these people are definitely someone... Uh, who've made the new wave of migration from smaller cities to the bigger cities, be it either, you know, from, um, you know, what are small cities doing? I don't fucking know small cities. <laughs> say, say like a ranchi to Bombay or a Madurai to Bangalore. And their level of exposure was very different growing up. So they predominantly would have uh, studied in uh, either a Tamil medium or a Marathi medium or a Hindi medium school. And speaking English wasn't a priority. It was even seen as a privilege. So there's a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. So when they come to the big city, they automatically identify with people who are the underdogs or people who are uh, kind of shitting on the urban landscape or on people like me who are uh, perceived as the arrogant English-speaking elite. And um, so that is a large phenomenon happening in our in our market right now. So I was trying to understand how do I cater to this market, right? Now, in the live show, I can obviously target people and, you know, like-minded people will come based on the venue, on the little geography of uh, the little micro-geography, we're going to call it, like the neighborhood where the show is. And people do predominantly have a good time. You know, I, I've noticed that people who come for my show in a live setting, have a lovely time. But if I say record that material and put it up on the internet, there's a complete shitstorm of people hating on me uh, for either being too cocky, being too insensitive or being too arrogant about my observations. And they constantly feel I'm punching down, which I I don't particularly do. Um, I, I basically talk about life and my experiences, which automatically is perceived as A person who's elite because that's my upbringing even though I don't see myself or consider myself as an elitist person. It's just the things that have molded me so far are perceived as elitist for someone else who didn't have those opportunities, who didn't have those expectations in life because right now the expectations are very simple. You get a degree, you get a master's, you get a job then as a result of that job you're sent abroad. So that is the natural order of things when it comes to a person's exposure level. And of course, with the internet now, you're flooded with content from across the globe, which also comes with a certain kind of bias. This, of course, is not specific only to India. You see this across the world. Uh, earlier, as I mentioned with the labels in America, it's happening in Europe, it's happening in, it's happening in Australia, various parts of the world where a lot of people are identifying with various labels and forming these little subgroups, which they can fit into either based on political ideology, either based on sexuality, gender, those various things, right? So this is not just uh, localized to India, but I'm talking about India because uh, this is the market I'm trying to crack initially. So when I was having this conversation with a friend, I was thinking, is it uh, two things I should do? One of two things. Now, do I sell out and kind of break down this uh, thought process, this framework, this perspective I have to connect and uh, cater to the larger Indian masses who perceive me in a certain way? Or the second thing is use these tools for what they're meant to be And create my own space. It might not be in the millions of views or the millions of subscriber space. But it might just be people who are like me in India at this situation right now. And possibly even Indians uh, outside. And as a result, people in general outside this country of ours, right? So I was uh, facing a bit of a dilemma for the past year. I'd say almost two years. Because in this job, it's very easy to get carried away by what other people do what their um, approach is, what their material is like, their influences and what they're doing. It's very hard not to uh, look at it, very hard to be isolated. And it's good not to be isolated because it's also good to know what other people are doing. But if that thing that they are doing affects you negatively and where every morning you wake up, you're like, oh my God, I, I don't know what I'm doing. That's just detrimental to your growth as an artist. And this is not just in my space of stand-up comedy. I feel even in music, let's break this down in music, Right. There are certain things called, uh, in my opinion, comfortable consumption, uh, comfortable viewing. And uh, this is what's happening, I believe, personally, in the comedy space. As I told you, people coming from smaller towns to bigger towns are already um, considering themselves on the back foot. So they feel threatened. They feel like they're misfits. They feel they have to work that much harder to prove themselves. So when they uh, catch a person on the Internet doing really, really relatable humor for them... They feel that that person is their brand ambassador, their kind of knight in shining armor, and that automatically becomes comfortable for them. Either the language, the topics, the way it's put, the way they're either punching up towards a certain group or punching down to a certain group. All these various elements come together to make that person feel comfortable and feel like their cause is being held up by someone else. Now, um, as a result of this, what's happened is there's a lot of templatization in comedy. A lot of people reverse engineering uh, someone else's successful product, either a video or a style of performing. And then they go back to the drawing board. They're like, okay, for instance, now, Abhishek Upman, you did a bit about Hindi Gali's and middle class uh, background. So let me go back and break my jokes into these three, four elements. And I will similarly construct a new bit, which might not be the most original, but I'll put up on the internet and I'll put all the right hashtags, tag the right comedians and I will be famous on the internet. Uh Uh-uh. Not gonna happen. It might happen for one video, but I really think that this uh, space is toxic for the comedy um, genre because I personally believe a lot of people can tell jokes. Uh, Not everyone, but a lot of people can tell jokes. But being a comedian... Uh, brings in that element of uniqueness. Now, why would I run to a Louis C.K. or a Dave Chappelle to hear their thoughts on a certain opinion? Because they challenge my thoughts, they make me laugh, they are something fresh, which comes only from that individual and all the experiences that has molded him or her. Now, if everyone sounds the same, that's not really comedy for me. In fact, that's just, you know, mundane repetition, and that can get very saturated and stagnant soon. So, I'm trying to work on this space of being, um, you know, aware of what I am, who I am, what I sound like and what is uh, shaping me and what has shaped me so far. So this uh, coming to this point of comfortable consumption, look at the music industry today on uh, the top 40, the pop culture uh, music scale, right? You have your Katy Perry's, you have your Justin Bieber's, you have your Shawn Mendes, you have uh, what's that guy's name? Not Cotton Malone, uh, Post Malone. Yeah, the guy with tattoos on his face. Now, every year, there's one artist that explodes. Um, This year was, I think, Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga with their "Shallow," And, uh, you know, say last year was Britney, not Britney Spears. It was, I think, Selena Gomez's year, the year before that. So what these people do in the corporatization of music is they create one brand and they plug the fuck out of that brand. It's a various um, number of efforts that are coming, efforts that are coming together to put this brand out there. It's either the promotion, either it's the analysis of what people want and as a result if you break down every top 40 artist either in the hip-hop space or in the pop space have a very very similar undertone Uh, for instance say right now Kaigo is doing well so now every artist will have a Kaigo sounding riff in their song or a melody that is uh, very very popular and that happens with either the Demi Lovato song Taylor Swift song So these, this is where I talk about the corporatization. I'm not talking about the branding. I talk about how they basically take one thing that clicks for a certain uh, time for a certain group and then they just uh, play the fuck out of it. They overdo it until it's exhausted and until it's no longer clicking with the audience. So therefore now 6 out of 10 artists sound the same and in the mind of the listener... That's comfortable for them. They're like, oh, this, this sounds familiar. This is something I liked last time, even though it's a different artist. I, I like those three notes in a certain arrangement and I'll be like, wow, it's just so, it's so relatable. It's so me. It's so hashtag like, oh, YOLO. Or whatever these hashtags are. So uh, that's what's happening in the music space. And when an independent artist or a composer or a band comes out there and tries something different because that's what they believe is their expression through the form of music, it completely falls flat on its face. And why is that? Because it's not comfortable for the listener. It's out there. It's different. It's challenging them. And honestly, it terrifies them. They're like, oh, this is not what I shouldn't be listening to. This is this thing. And as a result, you have subgroups. They're so like, oh my god, I hate pop culture. So therefore I will create a subgroup where we will just sit and listen to anti-popular music. We'll form an alt group, and more and more on that will happen. It will be a rival to the larger scheme of popular things in society. This can be reflected in consumption, can be reflected even in real estate, it can be reflected in movies. And um, in fact, this, this Sunday, I'm talking to a couple of uh, people in the theater movie space. I'm talking to hemant Rao, uh, who did the Kavalu movie recently, and the other one with Anantana Godi Banna, Stadarna Maikattu, and Prakash Belwadi theater people. So I'm trying to get their idea as to how it works in movies, because Bollywood is another huge source of uh, copying and templatizing their movie uh, scripts. So is there space for people like these gentlemen who are trying to make something more um, personal and something different and something more expressive? So if you want to join the show, it's on Sunday at the B-flat bar in Bangalore. The show is called Insights with Sandeep It's a talk show I recently launched. Um, Coming back to the comedy things, it is uh, something I'm observing even there, the templatization, the comfort consumption which is happening. So that brought me to realize for my own story what do I do now? Uh, do I pander? Do I just get the right hashtags? Do I reverse engineer my material just to cater for this particular pattern and this particular trend right now? And the answer for all you people who love my stand up, that's Yuma, <laughs> is no. I'm not going to do that because I feel for me, it might sound very preachy and high, um, high handed, that I almost said high-headed. What the fuck? Um, that I, I, you know, it, it might not be rewarding in the short run, and it's very, very, very frustrating seeing people around you race past you either through fame, money. But um, every day, every week, I remind myself that these are byproducts, and if you focus on the byproduct, the actual product will suffer. If you are tempted by the Amazon Prime specials being thrown out there, or getting offers from digital brands. It's a very, very, very hard race to fight, man. It's a very hard race to run. So I'm just trying to deal with it on a daily basis. Put out my product uh, in a in a more and more refined way. Try to get better at uh, performing, at observing, at even becoming an overall package which is much more, um, which is better than what it was a few months back. So it's basically compare yourself as opposed to comparing yourself to others. And I'm trying to do that, trying to refine my, my voice, trying to refine my delivery, my, my writing, my um, form of storytelling. And these things take time and I'm not seeing results right away, especially when it comes to rewards. But uh, you've got to do it, I suppose. And you got to do things that you're proud of and be out there for what you are happy with, as opposed to just getting those 5 million views because you did what the other comedian did to get those 5 million views. Because I feel then you're just sort of caught up and you're going to get kind of brushed under the carpet. So let's see, this is what I'm working on. And if you are in a similar space in your career, either uh, if you're a musician or an artist or even someone doing something with a startup concept, if you're trying to just reverse engineer what the Swiggies and the Dunzo's have done, I feel that might pay off um, in the short run. And that's what we're going for in today's society. Shortcuts, short runs, short, um, you know, what do you, put? what's the word I'm looking for? Short term gratification. But, um, I think there need to be a few of us who can, you know, can stand the test of time, who can get in for the long haul and just become more, um, you know, more, um, you know, finer versions of our, a professional self, either musically guitarists, pianists, uh, flautists or even stand-up comedians just to get the right balance and the right thing which works for you and eventually there are people out there who will want to hear your voice, your opinion and your stories and uh, it might not get a million or a billion views but you will get and I hope I will get people to come for my shows because I've got something to say and you've got something to hear from what I have to say. Yeah, this this episode is a bit personal because I was trying to figure out my story. I hope uh, if you are listening, it helped you in some form of dealing with your dilemma. If you have any questions or feedback or thoughts, you can always get in touch with me either on my Facebook page or Insta at Soapy Rao. Uh, this podcast will be up on various platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google, Apple, various other things that are out there. Just click it, the Baby Bed Podcast. There's another episode done with. I'll be back next week. To talk about God knows what. Yeah. Till then. Bye. (laughs) The Baby Bed Podcast. Every Wednesday. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.